Well, um, if you want to stick your finger in Philippians 4, uh, that's where I'm going to head in just a few. <clears throat> sports, professional sports are, are coming back. And, you know, I've been, I've been out, um, you know, it's interesting, the, the shortened seasons and the creative ways the professional leagues have kind of set up their playoff systems um, to be able to still have a champion, to still have a winner, to still at the end of this is significant and important. And I've been thinking about um, so professional athletes who win championships, it's so um, often the case that you hear them say uh, they were able to stay mentally focused. Is their, men their mental toughness. Um, you know, they're all incredibly gifted and athletic. They all work extremely hard. They're in great physical shape, cardiovascular shape. Um, but it's, it's interesting how often you'll hear uh, a professional athlete say, I was able to, 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 to stay focused and stay mentally tough. That mental toughness helped push them over the edge. Even, even for those athletes who, who are dealing with injuries, you know what? I was able to stay mentally focused and they were still able to successfully achieve their goal because of that mental toughness and that mental focus. Um, I think for any of us to achieve certain goals in life, it, it takes a certain mindset, right? A certain focus and determination and attitude in order to reach um, those goals in life. And, and I think the same holds true in our Christian life. What, what effect does our mindset have on our Christian life? I think Paul has something to say about this in Philippians 4. I'm going to read verses 4 through 9. This is Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. This is the NLT, the New Living Translation. Paul writes, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the truth and power of your word, and we simply pray that you would speak the truth of your word to our hearts this day. Father, as always, help us to understand what you're saying to us and to respond obediently. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I'm just going to go verse by verse here. We're just going to go verse by verse and, and talk about these verses and see what Paul has to say. So first, uh, let's look at verses 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Joy. We, we know that joy uh, doesn't come from our circumstances and our situations, right? I mean, many of us 
continue to be joyful despite uh, the difficult circumstances and situations in which we find ourselves these day, these days. Um, we know that real joy is found in having a relationship with Christ, having his presence in your life active each day, knowing him, serving him, seeking after him with all your heart. It is, it is this joy, right? It is this joy that sustains us through the difficult struggles of life. Now, obviously, there's, there's one major obstacle we're all dealing with right now. Um, but aside from the pandemic, how are you generally feeling about life? You know, sometimes we feel like we're on top of the world. Everything is going great. It's smooth sailing. And then there are other times where it's the complete opposite, right? And, and nothing could be worse. Perhaps you come this morning uh, with a concern. Perhaps you come this morning with a heavy heart. Um, maybe you're worried about something. Maybe, maybe there's a problem in your life that is persistent and won't seem to go away. Uh, maybe you feel guilty because of sin in your life. What, what, whatever the case, here we are. With, with all of our struggles and, and, and faults, here we are. And, and, and I think Paul's words are directed at all of us who, who struggle off and on with different things like this in life. I, I think it's so important for us to, to recognize and remember where Paul is when he's writing this letter. Paul's not sitting up in some beautiful castle with a perfectly happy life, right? Where, where is he writing this letter from? Prison. This, this is one of the, the four prison epistles, Philippians. He's likely um, facing the possibility of execution. He's awaiting trial. He's either in a Roman dungeon or, or serving some type of house arrest. He's likely, we know he's in chains. He, he tells us he's in chains. So he's either chained to a wall in a cell or chained between two Roman soldiers. N not, not a pleasant situation. <laughs> but Paul does not find himself in a very pleasant uh, circumstance right here. Yet despite his circumstances, Paul maintains an amazing attitude an amazing attitude in, in the most difficult of circumstances. One of the greatest challenges we have as Christians is to maintain a positive attitude for Christ in a, in a dark and hurting and broken world. Our attitude shapes the kind of walk with God that we will experience. When I was in college, I, I had a, a classmate who... Uh, who actually was a, a missionary pilot in Africa. He, he was from the Massachusetts area. I was, this is Eastern Nazarene College in Quincy, Massachusetts. His name was Rod. Rod and I had a few religion classes together. We became close friends. And one day Rod says, hey, do you want, do you want to go up uh, with me on my plane and, and, and fly around Quincy? I said, yeah. <laughs> so, so Rod had a, a, a Cessna plane that he kept at a, at a small airport in Taunton, Massachusetts. And so one Saturday, uh, Rod and I head down to Taunton, and we get in this plane, and we start we start pedaling. You know those little Cessnas you gotta you gotta pedal to to kind of get going before things kick in. And so we're pedaling down the runway, and Rod and I take off in his little Cessna, and we we head north back towards uh, Quincy. Rod Rod has to radio the 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 air traffic controllers in Boston, because Quincy is only eight miles south of Boston, so we're going to be in their airspace, and we've got, got, got to get permission to fly over there, so we do, we do that. So we get over Quincy, and Rod points out 
Eastern Nazarene College, you know, small little college on the, on the corner there. And, and he gives me the controls. He says, you want to fly? I said, yeah. So he gives me the controls and I'm controlling this plane. And he, he's pointing out some things to me on the, on the display panel. The, the instrument panel has all kinds of gauges and instruments. And, and there's one pretty important instrument called the attitude indicator. And the attitude indicator, the attitude indicator on a plane determines its altitude. So if you have a, a, a nose up attitude, you're climbing. If you have a nose down attitude, you're descending. Can you connect the dots there? You see where I'm going? Your attitude always determines your altitude in life. Somebody, I don't know to whom to give credit for that, but somebody said that once. Same is true in our Christian life. Our, our attitude determines the kind of walk with God that we'll experience. Do you have a nose-up attitude and you're climbing, or do you have a nose-down attitude and you're, and you're diving into some trouble? Attitude almost always determines your altitude in life. Our attitude, once again, shapes the kind of walk with God that we'll experience. Let's take a look at verse 6. In verse 6, we, we read this. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Don't worry. Wow, talk, talk about easier said than done, right? I, I don't know about you. Um, I'm gifted at worrying. That, that just comes real natural for me. Um, don't worry about anything. You know, sometimes, sometimes we feel like we have to know everything. Sometimes we're, we're on this constant need-to-know basis. <laughs> I see hands raised. Me too. I need to know all the details. I need to know where we're going, what we're doing, how things are going to turn out. And, of course, when we don't know those things, what do we do? We worry, right? For many of us, worry just comes naturally. You know, I think, I think God has done us a huge favor here. We, we, we want to know the full blueprint, right? We, we want to know every day, every step, God, what's going to happen? I want to know the full blueprint for the rest of my life. God has done us a huge favor not giving us that blueprint. I, I think there's three things that God tells us, tells us here by not giving us the full blueprint for every day of our lives. Number one, he said, you're not going to know everything that's going to happen every day of your life. So there's going to be this beautiful unfolding sense of creation going on for you every day. Number two, if you trust me, number one won't freak you out. Because for some of us, number one kind of freaks us out a little bit. Again, we want to know what's going on, and we don't. But that's okay. God, God says, number three, if you don't trust me, and if you don't stay connected to me, you're going to spend a lot of time and energy trying to figure out why things go wrong all the time, why life changes so much, why things are so difficult, and you're going you're gonna to become overly tired and frustrated trying to make sense of it all if you don't trust me and if you don't stay connected to me. I think God has done us a huge favor by not giving us the blueprint. So Somebody once said that life is a journey. I really like that. I like, I like that phrase. I personally like the idea that life is a journey because that means that we're in process. We're, we're in process. And to me, as I read scripture, I think, I think that the process itself is just as important as the destination. I mean, again, most of us are destination thinkers. We want to know where we're going, where we're headed, what's going on. 
Uh, we want to make sure there's no risk because where there's no risk, we can be comfortable. When things are risky that, and we're unsure, that, that makes it uncomfortable, right? The unknown is risky and uncomfortable. We like no risk. We like comfort. We like security. We want to know where we're going, what we're doing, what's it going to look like, who's going to be there when I arrive, how long am I going to be there? We want to know all the details. But I think what God is saying is it's the journey to the destination that is significant. It's the journey that matters. It's what we learn in the process. It's, it's what we learn along the way. It's the relationships that we build with one another. It's what we learn from each other along the way that makes the deal so good. It's the journey in life that really is life. And when we get to the end, wherever and, and whatever and whenever the end is for each of us, we're going to realize that one of the most special things we had was the journey itself. I think there are a couple of reasons why, why we struggle internally with this, this whole idea of, of where am I going in life, and I want to make sure my life counts, and I want to make sure what I'm doing is, is, is significant and it matters. And I think, number one, remember, remember, we're created in the image of God. And so because of that fact, we, we read in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has placed eternity in our hearts. So I think we all kind of have this eternal meter ticking inside of us, right? Wondering if what we're doing is significant. Does this matter? Is, is my life important? Is what I'm doing significant and important? And, and it doesn't matter <laughs> um, what I'm doing on this earth. I could be the most successful. I could be the most famous. I could be the richest person in the world, but I've still got this eternal meter ticking inside me asking, does this matter? Is this significant? Is my life making a difference? Another reason we struggle um, so much with this is because the world is trying to shape and mold us into its own image, right? The world is constantly cramming down our throats all the time what significance is, right? What importance is, what, what beauty and success look like or should look like. And you know what? When you match that up against what Jesus says in the New Testament, you, you, you've got two totally different things. Two totally different things. You know, one, one thing that I love about Jesus is that he called anyone and everyone to himself. It didn't matter. He called farmers and doctors rich people, poor people, lawyers, common woodshop workers, politicians, tax collectors. It didn't matter. To Jesus, it didn't matter what your gifting was. It didn't matter what your, what your job, what your occupation was. Jesus was just interested in where their passion was. Paul writes this in verse 7. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Where Paul writes, his peace will guard your hearts and minds, that he's actually using a military term there in verse 7. The, the, the literal translation of that verse in the Greek is God's peace is standing guard over you. 
Think about that for a minute. Is that, is that a beautiful word picture? God's peace is standing guard over you. You know, years ago, before the kids came along, um, Tani and I had the opportunity to go to London for a week and, and see all the sights. And I'll, I'll never forget the day that we went to Buckingham Palace and all the guards are standing outside of Buckingham Palace and you, you, you just can't believe that they're not statues. I mean, they are just absolutely um, immovable, focused, re resolute. <laughs> and I'll never forget these two little boys. I'm assuming they were brothers. They were carrying on trying to do anything they could to get one of the soldiers to flinch or to blink or, or, or to, 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 to break any way they could. And these, these soldiers were just absolute statues. They were just immovable and trenched and resolute. And there was nothing those two little boys could do to get one of them to blink or flinch or anything. It was amazing and funny at the same time. But that, that's the word that Paul uses to describe the peace of God that watches over you. Entrenched, resolute, immovable. The peace of God stands guard over you. I love that, that picture. What a, what a beautiful thought. So let's close uh, this morning by taking a look at these two final verses, 8 and 9. Paul writes, And now let me say one Final thing as I close this letter, fix your mind, he says. Fix your mind on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, and the God of peace will be with you. Fix your thoughts, he says. Fix your mind. The Greek, the Greek word literally means to dwell here to dwell there. So live here. Build a house here. Stay a long time here. Paul, Paul, Paul is saying, live here. Things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, live there. Paul is saying here are eight filters, okay? Everything you hear, everything you see, I want you to run it through these eight filters. And if it doesn't make it through these eight filters, then it shouldn't be in your mind and it shouldn't be in your heart. If it's not true, don't welcome it. If it's not noble, if it's not right, if it's not pure or lovely or admirable or excellent or praiseworthy, don't let it find a home in your heart. Paul says if you will use and apply these eight filters in your life, then you will both know and live in the peace of God, the peace of God that stands guard over you. That's good news. Amen. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for meeting with us and ministering to our hearts and speaking to us this morning. Father, we pray that you would continue your transforming work on our lives by the renewing of our minds. Father, as we go from here, would you dismiss us with your blessing? And Father, would you help us, allow us to live our lives in such a way that brings praise and honor and glory to you and might influence and encourage others to do the same. Father, for all that you do and for all that you are, we give you our thanks and our praise and our love and our worship because you alone are worthy of it. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. You are dismissed.